A division? Yawning chasm, I'd say, wouldn't you? No, I'd say a sociopathic abscess. Welcome to the Whovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. You can call me Colin. And I'm still Jeremy. And tonight we're going to be talking about the state of decay. I'd really like to start this one out by just calling attention to the native science guy's braided comb over. There were like ten braids going on, all going all which way around his head, and it just made it so much more obvious that he was doing a comb over. And it was just like, dude. I mean... Out of all the the hair work done in this one, the like the beard. Oh my god, yeah, the beard. Are... Looks like an octopus. Oh, oh it's wonderful. I, I think there would be even more tentacles than eight, you know, mm-hmm. on that thing. Was, and even that one true. guy who was used to be a guard, his beard I mean again. It, it was, was epic in a different way. It was epic but in a simpler way, like more just it was actually like something that you could do every day, but still kind of rocking and yeah. I mean you could really shift this cast, you know, over to the beard beard and mustache championships of the world <laughs> and, and they would go out pretty well. Oh. So good. Well, even older Ivo, who lost his son, his beard was pretty epic. Mm-hmm. He even had a big, huge curl in his mustache. Mm-hmm. I guess the idea was these people have been around for a while, and they didn't really have too many shaving um, tools. So they managed to create intricate shapes in their facial hair? Well, what else are you going to do with your just kind of living life as a peasant, just uh, serving and <gasps> not much else? Maybe they don't. Well, how was well, he? Well, could not did study he, did have scissors? Because if not, then that's why he has to do the comb over. <laughs> <laughs> because that was the most epic comb over. But also works as Scissors sound like technology. Scissors sound like technology. You know, that they can't read, you know. Should oh, they have access yeah. to scissors? Yeah, but he got a computer working. You don't think they invented some sort of cutting utensil? I mean, the one guy had a knife. And also, I think they, they, they did mention, like, they had, like, some sort of, like, energy system set up, which was, like, borrowing from the environment, I think. So, like, they had some... I want that tap. Put that on my roof. It'll keep my place charged for as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, and tech aside, just, like... Their ability, you know, their, their aesthetics, their ability to transform a high-tech spaceship into a medieval castle looking like. I mean, what else are you going to do? It was gorgeous. Oh, it was. The set design. Again, the, these past few epi- these past few stories have been just... I mean, even kiss. though it was a real forest, like, it was a very pretty forest mm-hmm. they were filming in, too. Some of the trees were just epic, too. They were gorgeous. They, absolutely gorgeous for a gothic horror kind of motif that mm-hmm. this definitely had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, vampires. Oh. Space vampires. 
Yep. Vampires, space, you'd think it'd be uh, corny, and I mean, you're not wrong, but it's, it's better than it sounds. I'd say Zargo, Camilla's, and Ar- Archon's, uh, or Archon's, however you pronounce his name, uh, makeup was also on par. I think oh, yeah. the basic the basic aesthetic of this season, but also just this particular story, just kind of, I mean, cosplaying this would be absolutely uh, a joy for so many people. I can just imagine. And this is this is one of the darker Doctor Who stories, and definitely, especially during this time, we had all this silliness from the last season, and this season we tried to start edging a little bit away from the silliness, but we still had plenty of it. In this story, they definitely kind of ramped up the horror vibes. Not saying that they did a perfect job with the horror aspect of it, but I think they did a perfect job with the aesthetic. I think that, I mean, if you're... If you're trying to think about horror, there are two ways to define horror. You can define horror as something that's like jump scare or scary or something like that in mm-hmm. the one sense. But the horror is more or less generally not that. It's about the unsettling. Mm-hmm. And that, this nails. Mm, the bats. Mm-hmm. I love the yeah, scene come where... Through, even like as the doctor's trying to comfort down, you know, Romano about bats, you know, he gets bit, and we learn they're a little bit carnivorous. Well, they did a really cool camera shot, too, when you're looking at Archon's face, and he's talking about his servants, and you see the bat kind of superimposed Mm -hmm. on his face. Mm -hmm. I remember watching this as a kid, and I was completely enthralled with this story. I really, really got into it, and it it actually did spook me. And I could see why kids would definitely get spooked by this. There... I will say that I think it actually worked for this. Doctor Who's always usually very theatrical in many ways. And, but in this story, the theatricalness of the, um, the three vampires, I think, actually worked quite well. Not everybody else was necessarily that theatrical. Um, because they were over-the-top theatrical. But I think they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Now, were the commoners, like, were they already there? Or were they the, uh, the descendants of the other people on the ship? That weren't officers. I think those were the actual descendants of the other people on the ship. Yeah, yeah. That's, kind of my that's what I was getting. The the three that were vampires were just the chosen ones. They were well, just, they were the officers. Yeah. Yeah, they were the the elite, and so it was just the subordinates that ended up becoming quote unquote the pheasants and peasants. Uh, peasants are, yeah, not pheasants. Uh, they're not there quite bird like. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see any feathers in this story. Uh, what do you think about Adric? He's now a stowaway. Stowed himself away. Well, he wasn't supposed to do that. Um, mm-hmm. He did a good job deceiving the vampires and even Romana on the whole, well, I mean, there's no sense of both of us dying, which, frankly, is a, is a fair point. And, but then, like, and, you know, he did that great deception. He let Romana know that he had a plan. He came all up. But then his plan was to pull out a knife and be really obvious about it until he got caught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, effective or not, he seems to be, like, cementing his role as the Wesley Crusher of, of Dr. Hill. <laughs> that's that's one way of putting it. I think he I, did. I can't it. believe you just made me have to now think of Aldrich in a not entirely negative light. Thank you. Wesley Crusher was my favorite when I was a kid. Well, well he, he's going for the same niche. You know, it's it's the same. I don't know if it's as well executed. Just in the same. I will say that he's not executing things well. I think Adric was pretty effective in the story. I mean, he's a teenager. 
he he's best known for wanting to eat a lot of food, which makes sense for his age. Yeah. Um, and he does show some intelligence in this episode. I mean, there was definitely a. Um, I, I think that goes in his favor. Ace, um, we talked his way past K9 out of the TARDIS. He, sure he did. almost got some bread. Right, that's pretty class. Actually, I, th- I thought she let him eat after. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he did get some bread. But I am going to say that scene really. But not in that, a deceptive way. That, that scene actually got to me a little bit. I understand it was the direction, like. Because the, he waited till the lady turned and was looking in the direction. Then he reached for the bread. And yeah. And she grabbed his hand. Like, the director could have simply said, wait a couple seconds, facing away, and then turn around and catch him. But yeah. No. yeah. That was my only real gripe there. Beyond that, I just was like, I will say, you're right. His entire panel was wonderful. But this is the the idea where the where someone is doing a math equation, does all the things right, and then puts the wrong answer at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's like you were so close. Patty Kingsland came back as the music. Uh, Patty, the, the music uh, writer, and, and I don't think he disappointed. No, I think his music in this was definitely creepy. Definitely had an, a very kind of eighties horror vibe to it that just kind of fits so well with the scenery. Yeah, it's total space goth. Like, totally. Ooh, that's right. That sounds that, very... That, yeah, I like that. Space goth. That, that, that's that's, that's it. That's the genre. Yeah. Yeah. I'm back. Definitely. It's about time. <laughs> it's Things about... work in cycles. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, K9 against, uh, gets a little sidelined in this story. Again, oh. I mean, not his as sidelined though. Was pretty good at the end. Yeah, there. I mean, like, he pretty much swept in and saved the day. <laughs> yes, I mean, he did. They, yeah, once he, he had a floor that actually was flat, he was good. I mean, maybe he's just lowering expectations for your audience, but K nine, you know, was not was not um, disrespected quite as he has been yeah. in recent times. I'm pretty so, certain. I think he got. Like I have eight. to be. I, I'm decently pleased. Yeah, we got like eight people. Plus, he had that like really cute moment where the doctor was like, "And don't forget, K9's in charge." Wait for his signal, and K9's like wags his little tail and moves his little ears. Oh. Uh, K9 can do no wrong. Can he? I like how they put K9 up in the throne too. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly where he should be. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good comment. I think there's a lot of good interaction between the Doctor and K9 as well when they were in the TARDIS together. Mm. Um, it, it just worked out pretty well. And the Doctor and Ramana yeah. had some uh, good chemistry this episode too. They, they, they really were responding to each other a lot. And I, they like looked at each other and stuff. Well, they have more touchy feely mm-hmm. moments. They, I mean, the Doctor puts his arm around her when they realize that there's blood being <laughs> drawn into the center of this earth, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's kind of, there's some really kind of beautiful moments, especially when the doctor is kind of, uh, locked up with Romana and he's going on about Ga- the, the, the story that he has about Gallifrey. Which in itself is really interesting because like, we know the Time Lords have been around forever, basically, but we don't really hear a whole ton about their beginnings, you know, and this yeah. is back when Rassilon was young and giant vampires scoured the universe draining planets and the Time Lords battled them off and it's an ancient evil and, you know, 
Yeah, ancient enemy of the Time Lords. Yeah. yeah. Vampire. I, I, I like how that raises the stakes. They had to stab him through the chest with a spaceship to take him down. I mean, it was, you know, that, some pretty epic that, that's uh, things. That's pretty metal. That's, that's, yeah, that was good. I will say that this story was written by Terrence Dix, who, of course, was one of the main writers of the John Pertwee era. Um, and since Barry Letts is the executive producer here, we almost had kind of a classic motif with this particular story. Yeah, and gotta love Dix. <laughs> God. But... My point is, is that he he's a, he's actually a really good writer. He he wrote a lot right. of the novels for Doctor Who as well, and um, he's known throughout um, Doctor Who lore for his decent writing. He goes on to write the Five Doctors, which was a monstrosity to try and actually come up with, but it actually ended up being rather successful. Nice. I feel like there's a special skill to do both uh, screenwriting as well as novel writing. You know, it seems like. You know, one can be harder to pull off, or it just almost seems like it takes different directions sometimes. His renditions of a lot of the classic Doctor Who stories he, uh, are like spot on. He does an amazing job of translating it into an actual novel, and he's got he's really good at going into the characters' thoughts and thought processes, and just kind of giving that filler that's necessary that you can't have when you're. Well, I mean, that's the actor's job to portray that part. Right, but my point is that there's there's stuff other than uh, what you see on camera that he's going to go into that he might bring up a few other points or a little bit of extra history or just a few extra details that you can't really explore when you're dealing with a timed show. With yeah. a book, you can actually have the time to write a slight paragraph, and it's not going to take up that much room. Yeah, the story can actually be the length it's supposed to be. Exactly. Um, but so I, And I think he's a very effective writer, and, and I think that helps this story out. Because it's concise. It was concise, a well-written story. It's very concise story writing. It's, it's got a, a good beginning, middle, and an end. It's got oh, some man, humor. So it's straightforward. I, I think it's the pacing is good. It flowed well. Like, it was, you, you had your beats and just kept going. Yeah, and we didn't have a lot of, like, going back seven minutes on repeat in the episode or whatever. It was pretty much... You know, they... <laughs> yeah. It was, it was very short and to the point. It, it filled in. It, in other words, when they when they did the recap from the previous episode, they didn't have to recap so much of it, is I think what you're trying yes. to say. Uh, yeah, they, they had a lot of filled in gaps for this story so that it, it did flow very nicely. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, I've seen the movie version of this story, which makes it even more concise and, uh-huh. and picks the pacing up quite a bit so that you're like, wow, okay. I think it's just that the characters are interesting, the, peop- the, the actors aren't actually doing a bad job with this story, and it, it just makes you actually care about some of these mm-hmm. characters. I even kind of liked uh, Alcon and and uh, Zargo and Camilla, too. I thought they, they kind of were inter- intriguing baddies. They, they were told, be a vampire. Like, at that time, what everyone thought of as a vampire, I think they nailed, they nailed the assignment. Like, yeah, they, they were vampires. Yeah. There was no mistake. When I first saw them, I'm just like... Vampire. That's it, that's it. I'm like... <laughs> I know, and then she cut her finger, and it was, like, game over. Like, yeah, obviously like, vampires. I'm like, beautiful, beautiful. Just don't get that hungry. I was worried she was about to jump on that finger. <laughs> and then they continued being vampires. Yeah. 
Well, that that whole part of it too is that they were originally thinking they were the descendants of the original ship that landed there. They ended up actually being the original people. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they had the longevity of being a vampire. Well, yeah, because, I mean, when they thought they were the descendants, it was like, mm-hmm. and you thought they were all clones? Or, like, why do you think they have the exact same faces? L- L- listen, I'm going to explain to you, Doctor, that inbreeding does not work that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One would hope. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, no, it was all good. And I, there was, um, like, there have been sometimes in Doctor Who episodes where you go, where you do this running back to TARDIS, running back and forth. And it kind of seemed like a little bit of wasted time. But this time when the Doctor actually got back to the TARDIS, it was more like he's in a bunker trying to figure this stuff out. And it yeah. was, I thought, very well done. Plus the long receipt of... Good oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the technology, I guess, of that Type 40 TARDIS at that point hadn't been upgraded yet. Yeah, you know, you've, you've got those weird magnetic card reader, like, rustic things mm-hmm. that spit it out on ticker tape in a time machine. <laughs> Well, and I mean, I, 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 no, I get it. It's a retro one, Rassilon, you know, put the stuff in way back, and, you know, but the, the console still had a thing to read aesthetic. it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the doctor likes to make certain that, you know, he he has different moods from each each generation. This time, right. he's, more, right. he's just more like the 70s. Yeah, I'm kind of a ticker tape guy. It know? reflects the times. That during the early 80s, ticker tape and, and that kind of thing, and those card readers were actually cutting state-of-the-art technology. They were, hadn't been used before. And it just <laughs> happened to be that Future. that's the doctor we were following at the time. He just really liked the 80s and 70s. That's all. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It makes sense. Um, yeah, it's a little outdated. <laughs> but, hey, I think it's kind of cool to go back and see some of those retro things that we used to see. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of Doctor Who stories have the the old reel-to-reels. Oh, yeah. As, as if those are actual computers, and it's actually just audio tape, tape reels just going, spinning around in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's just, there's so much of these kind of older technology things. It doesn't really... It won't be until Peter Davison's era where we kind of get more of the buttons and the screens and the more technologically advanced stuff. Sure, sure. Alright, so what if they actually, like, you saw an LED screen on the TARDIS, like, then then our minds would be blown, and then we would know the Doctor is real. I mean, he is. We all know he's real. I mean, I guess in some ways they kind of had LED screens in some of the Doctor Who stories. They had flat screens Mm -hmm. that showed almost perfect images Mm -hmm. um, up on the walls and things of certain, like, futuristic cities. So it's not... I I wouldn't say that they didn't have that. It's just that it was obviously a superimposed CSO kind of special effect. But it's still, they they did have uh, those kind of... uh, yeah, that, that I, kind of idea. I think it's funny to think of like you know we're we're looking at it in a perspective so many years into the future now. You know, it's twenty twenty three. They even you know, had. Can we put ourselves in the in the shoes? You know, of you know, yeah, oh, no. watching it at the time, like it does. It's definitely hard, impossible for me to do. Well, I I mean I will say I do that a lot. Like this one, of course, I could be making fun of all the silly like tech things, but no, they were doing advanced stuff, and I bring it up in a lot of episodes when they do something really new. Like, were in, and when they were in France, and they were doing these really, City like... City of Death. So they were doing those those close shots, thank you. <laughs> and during City of Death, 
I said, I'm pretty certain they're using a camcorder or something like that, which would have been new camera tech because it, the lighting was a bit different during those shots. And I'm pretty certain they did not get filming rights to do that there because none of that looked, all that looked candid. And so I, I love it when they do this stuff. And so for this one, like the bat superimposing that you brought up, that mm-hmm. was a neat little effect. Again, it's a entirely difficult but it's a neat use of that sort of technique for storytelling well and also kind of goes with the times in the 1980s they did a lot of that for a lot of the fantasy based stuff i mean i think i can remember them doing that for things like labyrinth and and uh, tom cruise's legend they did some of those same superimposed kind of ideas because you're just trying to get the concept of what he's talking about mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's trying to make a, a little bit more of a foreboding kind of atmosphere just in that one shot. And one one element to bring up for a thing that they probably did in this one was I think they did some computer imagery thing for the green screen whenever they're on the computer looking at video. I think they did some editing to actually make it look digital and more uh, computer-like. And it did look cool. Yeah, it did look cool. And and also, just since you bring that up, I just want to say I love how the doctor's just ragging on Earth Tech throughout this this whole thing. He's like, oh, we'll just hit it because, you know, humanity makes such crappy technology. Hey, it was Earth Tech from the 80s, clearly. So. <laughs> but, 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 but then, like, at the very end, he's like, oh, yeah, I love Earth Tech. <laughs> He got into it. I mean, it was just, it was a cute little arc. We see the Doctor, you know, rag on humanity a lot throughout the series, and this was a, a good one. <laughs> now, I need to look at it, but I do know there's a reason why the banging on the TV worked. I think it had something to do with magnets. Like, you would have to re-jostle the magnets by hitting it or something, because that was a thing. You would hit it, and then this everything would get clear all of a sudden. Oh boy! So. Maybe it's like turning it off and turning it off on Something again. Like you that. know, yeah. maybe disrupt a connection. Mm-hmm. It's like a bit of a retry. Or you jostle the connection Try back again. into place. Maybe it's like blowing on your um, Nintendo sixty four. Don't cartridge. do that. Uh, no one blow on, mm-hmm. on your cartridges at all. It only degrades and corrodes the the pins. That's what they say, but it always works. Yeah, I always notice that it works too. So I don't know. <laughs> What would you recommend instead? What you're supposed to do is take it back out and put it back in. That will that will uh, re uh, okay. work the pins. That is actually what's doing the the corrective process, not by taking out and blowing on it. Because when you're doing that, no matter what, you have moisture on your mouth, right? And that's putting the that's coating the metal. Well, I will say I do still have a Nintendo 64, and my kids have done that, but we've been trying not to lately, so mm-hmm. we'll listen to you even further. There you go. But also... I've heard, I've heard this too, but, you know, I think there's always going to be arguments of technology. You know, sometimes you might just want to keep it from a whole civilization at one point, you know, just to make yourself more powerful. But I, I think there's... There's some, you know, middle ground. And well, I the doctor some... doesn't think so. He was just like, you guys have been in a society where technology and reading books and everything has been restricted. Here, let me give you this data dump from the TARDIS. Go nuts. See you <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there should really be much compromise either. Well, hey, yeah, they're right. Have... Knowledge is power. I mean, they're, they're not wrong about that. And to give a bit of knowledge, I did check on the whole um, hitting the TV thing. 
it re because of this back when you had the turn knobs and stuff and all mm-hmm. those sort of things, you're re whacking it back into gear and it's called percussive maintenance. <laughs> percussive maintenance. So the more you know. <laughs> okay, NBC over there. <laughs> we need that sound effect. <laughs> oh yeah, the <clears throat> yeah. Who, the who else heard that in their head? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think everybody in the audience heard that in their head. Perhaps uh, at least all the or, Americans. Yeah, or they're a lot younger than us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True, true, true. Anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, just go go type in on YouTube. The more you know, and you'll learn. <laughs> Specifically, NBC. That would probably then help. you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> more at least you'll know more <laughs> well let's rate this one and I'm gonna go first this time what <laughs> I knew that was gonna happen we must be in East space right now oh. because this would never happen in the <laughs> I'm going first because I already know what my rating Someone is not you vampire. I already know my... to always know what your rating is I do I do and I'm gonna prove it this is a 9.5 yeah. uh, this is one of my all time favorite stories um, actually, I might even put it to 9.8. Yeah, I think I'll go 9.8. Just, <laughs> just shy of a 10. I tried to do a point .8 before, and I think I was told I could only do a 5 or a 10. No, no, that's <laughs> reverse. I was the one that did point .8, and you told me I could only do point .5 oh, point zero. Why is it you remember this far back? I mean, because I, I've been listening to us. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the right story. I'm going to rate something a 5. Well, anyway, 9.8. This is a story that uh, I watched as a kid. This is a story I've grown up on. I've shown it to so many people. Everybody I show it to typically loves it, uh, loves the goth horror, loves the the basic idea of it. The storytelling is there. Obviously, I mean, like any Doctor Who story or any story of any kind, there's always going to be some flaws here or there. I don't care. This is just one that brings me joy every time I watch it. It's got so much going for it. It can get a slightly bit slow, which will give it that point to dunge down. Um, but other than that, I mean, I just, I love this story. It's fun. I would like, I would like to go next. Oh, go for it, Shelby. Did you have something to say first? No, I was going to try and go next. Shelby's next. All right. Um, I agree with Michael. I like this story a lot. I thought it had a lot of really exciting and good elements to it. Also, I feel like my rating's going to be about in that area, so I'm going to go ahead and steal Colin's dream, too. And I'm going to write this a three pie. Oh, okay. A three pie. So, like, three times three pie. pie? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> three, <laughs> three times pie. So it would be a nine, almost a ten. Mm. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors. Is that are we doing on shoot or are we doing on rock, paper, scissors? Oh, Jeremy, shoot. just go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right, Jeremy goes. Yes. Sorry. Yes, I predicted it. <laughs> okay. This one, uh, it was fun. It was good. It was refreshing. It knew when to be silly, and we knew it was being silly. Um, it, it didn't take itself too seriously, but it did have Audric in it, which is... Not my favorite. So, 9.5. <laughs> Damn, with that rate, the rating just doesn't quite match what you were saying. No, I, it, like, it was, <laughs> I'm taking point five off for Audric, that's it. For just Adric? Yeah. Alone, okay. Yeah, that's it. I, no, didn't, wow. I didn't have that much of a problem with him. I don't know. He, to me, like, this was, by the way, his best performance is, I mean, 
You mean the best so, out of the two? <laughs> out of the two. The other one, I did not like at all. Like, the other one, no. But between okay. those two, this one was his best. But the only problem was, I don't grade on a curve, and he still, in the end, his great, wonderful plan was, his execution was bad. Adric is one of the more loathed companions in Doctor Who's history, and uh, I I kind of feel bad for Matthew Waterhouse because he gets a lot of the flack himself. I don't think he was that oh. experienced of an actor, but I I do know that um, the writing for Adric could make him into a more annoying teenager type kind of kid. But here's the thing. I think he played it just the way he was supposed to. I don't think there was really any reason for him not to be a little bit annoying because that was the I'm, character he had. I am not, by the way, putting this on the actor oh, at all. No, no. That's I'm fine. putting this entirely on what was written. Like no, I get, and I get also it. the direction. Like all they had to do to really fix this one for me is just like not have the fact that I I see Adric kind of looking up at the actress. As they were looking at each other, and he started to reach for it, like you could tell, he they both knew. Yeah, and that was and and with the knife, it was the same thing. Yeah. It was it was not executed well. It wasn't like, and that's what I'm talking about. Like they're not yeah. giving this character any room. To, the the actor's not giving room to really make it a better character. There's it could be, but it's not being. Um, Pushed, pushed in the, that direction. There, maybe it's because again, you said the actor's inexperienced, but then the directors are not doing their like. There, there's room. There's for lots them of blame to yeah. kind of sounds like yeah, director, writer, but actor. Yeah. I think the time, the time limit that they always had for filming these things also went against them. The budget doesn't doesn't help, and the fact that at ten o'clock p.m., no matter what happens, the lights go out and they can't mm. have no say on it. Oh no, and, it, and these are tough and now, ones. and now Colin should go ahead. Yeah, right? uh, Oh, that's for the secondary discussion, guys. But it, it's Sorry. a rare and beautiful opportunity for me to, you know, really round out um, the, the reigning uh, circle here. So um, I like to think we're saving the best for last in this moment. But you, <laughs> but you guys can decide. Um, I, I have to say, when I first heard Michael's rating um, coming through, I was like, what a sentimental pile of mush. Loving this obscure vampire space tale from back in time. And then I hear... Shelby and Jeremy backing this up, and this is by no means a bad story, ladies and gentlemen. But you know, coming to the top half of a of a of a ten, uh, between a nine and a ten, this this sounds just not correct for me. And I, this is I'm not I'm not making arguments. Tell me when I'm wrong in a moment. But this was an above average acting. It was above average, you know, plot line. It was above average pacing. Um, but I I just did not feel like this episode was justifiably consistently gripping. Um, or that it's going to leave me with uh, more interesting thoughts than like, huh, you know, it's holding technology back against people who have consequences. Um, for me, this is an eight and a half out of ten. I don't, th- I don't see how I can get higher than that, um, and, and that's my rating. To be that's fair, my real rating's probably closer to a nine, but I just wanted to steal the pie thing. Well, not, uh, pie would be three point one four, yada yada yada. Yeah, I so did three pi. the one four is like, yeah, but that means it'd be just below nine point five. So yeah, and and honestly, okay. you guys might have pushed me. I think I was in an eight. I was coming in at this at an eight, but and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've, I just need to see it again with better attention. Oh no no, I mean no. There's there's definitely room for criticism, but I think one of the things you brought up that was interesting is that you 
you're looking at it from a very modern perspective, right? You're saying like when you can't you're imagine. Probably right. Yeah. So yeah, I, you, I mean, I can't no. Yeah, so when you look at it that way, it can kind of uh, make it, a, it, it can put in a bit, a bit of a shade of like, eh, they could have done better. I think that this was a highlight of the 80s, and a yeah. lot of those people who grew up on Doctor Who saw this story and were just mesmerized. The whole concept of having such a huge um, background story with Gallifrey and, and the vampires known as the Wasting. Yeah, that's what got that, me. That was really really compelling and and some of the special effects used especially when the when they start dissolving the the three vampires that was that was like state of the art kind of grotesque that was almost like indiana jones and mm-hmm. raiders of the lost ark kind of stuff and it was a what? good was call well to just do the hand on the yeah vampire. oh yeah no totally the the hand was effective because you're not looking at the whole thing i mean another thing that really got me on this episode was uh just that you see, well, sci-fi in general, but also Doctor Who in particular, trying to, you know, sci-fi up some fantasy things. And usually they way miss the mark, and sometimes they get close to the mark. And this time, I feel like they pulled it off. Like, they were definitely vampires, and it was a definitely sci-fi, you know, feel-and-backed type of thing going on, and it, and it worked. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it really worked well, and that's why I have to give it such a high grade. And when I first saw it, I actually saw it with a friend of mine. He also really loved it. Uh, Shout out to Vlad. He'll know who he is. Oh, Vlad loved the vampire episode? Yeah, he did. (laughs) Mm, Okay. Anybody who loves gothic, metal, or anything like that. And if you're named Vlad, you're kind of stuck in there. (laughs) Yeah, I bet bet if you go to, like, the IMDb ratings, news reviews, I'll be like, oh, Dracula, love this episode. Oh, Count... Uh, Count Grandfang also was I, a big fan. I would have been interested in what Jace would have thought about this one too, because all the horror esque and the makeup and everything going on that that would be up his alley. Yeah, it was well done for its time, but I feel like I enjoyed other stories, you know, from classic era. But hey, to each their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah let yeah, us know what you guys think. Own. Absolutely, and thank you for listening. I'll see you later. Yeah, get out. Leave. Bye. Bye. Be nice. Bye.